childless day and all my favorite songs are being sung. I'm like, can we just continue singing? Man, there's something about music that just speaks to the soul no matter what's going on with you. It just fixes everything. And I think that's because it, it realigns us with God. It brings us into a, a spiritual posture of worship. So this morning we're in 1 Peter 3, and the verse from 13 through 22, it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than to do evil. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight, Persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for the good conscience. Through the resurrection of Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with the angels, authority, and power, all things subject to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Lord, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds and our souls. Prepare our hearts to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to each of us. God, may every word said today glorify you in all things we do and as we carry it out of this sanctuary and into the world. Amen. So in, in these verses, Peter is beginning to unfold to his readers and prospective readers a proper definition or perspective of suffering. So keep in mind that this was not an, an academic discussion. It wasn't this big theological discussion. It wasn't a group of scholars sitting around talking about how the sky was formed and what God did. He's telling the readers we can expect suffering, great suffering, at the hands of the authorities. Many of these believers that he's, he's talking to and that will read this, they've lost friends, they've lost family, they've lost everything that they had in this life. We know when we get to that point, sometimes we teeter right on, do I just give up? Do I just let the rest of it go? So Peter's asking a rhetorical question. He says, who is he who will harm you if you become a follower of what is good? Now, of course, the answer here is no one. If you want a deeper reflection, later you can go to Romans 8, starting with verse 38. But 
Peter knows even if you should suffer for the righteousness sake, you're still going to be so blessed. What he's doing here is he's making a reference back to Isaiah 8, 12. Because remember, for the Jewish people, studying the Old Testament scripture and everything that was referred back to him was a comfort. It was what we call Godliness. It was confirmation for them. But the apostle doesn't say, if you suffer for righteousness, you will be blessed. He says that you will suffer for righteousness, and you will be blessed. He goes on to say that he's trying to prepare them for suffering. We've seen so much this church has been through, nonsense, persecution. They didn't have this. The church was just forming. This movement was just forming that was changing everyone. It was cleansing hearts, changing lives, and creating so many witnesses to go out and carry this message. But what he's instructing these, these readers is first, he says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That's in reference to verse 15. And what this means is make Jesus the center of your being. Because everything's in your heart will come out of your actions. Everything. Many times we don't even realize it's happening. It's just, it's just there. Because that's where our actions come from. They come from our heart. Next, Peter is instruct, instructing his readers to be ready to defend your hope. This isn't like great battle with weapons or anything like that. While there is a weapon, the weapon is the word. Every time I talk to someone about this and we're talking about the scripture, I ask them, I was like, do you have a two-minute testimony to share? Do you have it ready? Some people are on that balance of, I've lost everything, you want to give up. And they look at you and they don't know how you've got such a good life, but they don't know your struggles. They haven't seen it. They didn't witness it. So when you have that little two-minute testimony ready, and then you share with them, this is where I was at. This is what God brought me through. We don't realize we're talking them off the spiritual edge, off of that cliff. We need to be ready to share our hope. But there's three ways that is being discussed here in Peter. The first way he writes, and this is in reference to verse 16, he writes that we are to do this with meekness. The only fear we are to have is the fear of God, not the fear of man or the world or anything like that. And then he goes on to say, we're supposed to do this with good conscience. Act morally. If your heart is filled with God, your actions will naturally display that. If they're not, then ask God to prune those areas. One of my daily prayers is, God, whatever area I'm not seeing that doesn't glorify you, prune it. I know it's going to hurt. It hurts sometimes. Because sometimes I don't realize I'm doing it, and I'm like, ooh. And now I think, how do people that I, that I harm doing that? Just prove it. Just take it. But I also tell them, God, here's the door needs to be closed. If that, that bond and that relationship isn't good, and it's not going to do good for me, it's not going to be a good witness for me to be alone for it, shut that door. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, you know, someone's like, I haven't talked to me in so long, and they won't return my text. And then my sister will go, did you ask God to close doors? Oh, yeah, I didn't tell her which one, so, yeah. I don't have control over that, yeah. And the next one is, do this by causing evildoers to be self-accused when they defame believers as evil. 
Now, this is in reference to verse 16, but actually, for later, if you want to go to 1 Peter 2, and look at verse 11 and 12, this is in reference to that. And what that means is basically everything comes into the light. No matter what is being cast against you, everything comes into the light. While actions do speak straight from the heart, God will bring things into the light. And those that are trying to cause whatever ripple effect that's negative in your life, he'll bring it to the surface. And he'll reveal where the source is. So what I'm saying is, don't stress over it. And I'm saying that because I had to work through that. I'm like, no, that's not right. Don't stress over it. Give it to God. Let him take care of it. That's the best way to do it because it's in the best timing. But Peter does encourage everyone to defend their faith. And we do that by demonstrating our life, our walking out this, this life. So as we jump on into verse 17, what Peter is doing here is he's revealing one of the most startling facts in Scripture because he writes that it's, it's better if you're doing the will of God and suffer for the good rather than doing evil. Remember we talked a while back that to glorify God doesn't mean we're put on a pedestal. To glorify God means no matter what you throw at me, I'm not going to denounce his name. I'm not going to step away from my faith. Throw me in the fire because I know he's going to be in there with me. That's what we're talking about here. And while most people would agree that suffering for, from evil, let me tell you, I, I get it. I get it in my flesh. I have to shut my mouth sometimes. I pray the Holy Spirit to shut my mouth sometimes because it's not right. And we want to make things right. But what Peter is saying is unjust suffering can be better as long as we are staying in the will of God. Now, if you want to look for future reference back on that, go to Philippians 1.29 and also 1 Peter 1.19. But this perspective helps to explain to the apostles why they should rejoice when they're being persecuted. They're to count this as being worthy, worthy in the, in the sight of God, because others are trying to shame them away from their faith, but they held to it. They stayed on that path they were called to stay on. And as we jump to verse 18, what Peter is saying here is he's encouraging his readers to understand that suffering for Christ doesn't mean we're doing it alone. Christ suffered also. I think sometimes when I'm having discussions, I, I think, and I may be wrong, but I think sometimes we see that as Christ suffered and we see the cross. And we forget the extent. And I tried during the year, not at Easter, because I can't handle it at Easter, but I tried during the year to go back to Lots of Passion. I really can't handle it at Easter. But I do try to go back and really understand the extent that only we can describe and we weren't there. And so when I think about the suffering that I go through in life, that nothing like the early apostles went through. And I'm thankful. So we have to remember that even our little bit of suffering, as long as we stay in God's will, glorify his name, proclaim his name, we'll handle everything we need. Now what, he, what Peter's also saying here is there's a parallel between Christ's suffering and our being encouraged in the middle of our trials. If you remember when, when Christ was suffering, he wasn't crying out. He was telling you take care of that when you, you hear, here's some more instructions. I'm about to be gone. This is what I need you to hold on to. 
Now, when we get to verse 19 and 20, gosh, in researching this, there are so many different interpretations. And I understand these are scholars, but the different interpretation, because it comes from the fact that they are talking about Christ descending into Hades. This is when Christ was in the grave between death and resurrection, and he's declaring victory. But they're saying that he went into Hades to give the, the word of God to all those that died in the flood. I will be honest, it hurts my heart that scripture says, and he responded. I would like to know that, you know, five plus two equals five thousand. I would love to know that eight equals a lot more. But it really hurts my heart to think only eight would believe. See, the apostle drawing a, a parallel between Noah's family being saved in the ark, the wooden ark, and the flood. But what he's saying is believers now are saved through the ark of Christ. And the world is the water. I don't know about you, but I turn on the TV and I see people drowning every single day in the, in the world. Peter's saying, make sure you understand. You're in the vessel. The vessel is in you. Believers who are saved from God's judgment upon this world is the, is the ones that's being in the vessel, in the ark, in obedience, with a humble heart, trying to stay on that narrow path. What Peter's trying to say, that through all the times of suffering, there will be occasions when you will see great spiritual victories Friends, the ultimate victory that we all know is the one where we stand in there in front of the throne and we hear love and make it so. I don't know about you, but no matter what the world throws at me, that's my end goal. That is my ultimate end goal. I will make amends very quickly. I will say I'm wrong very quickly. If I stumble, I'm verbally and physically clumsy, so you'll witness it. search our hearts today. You see every part of us. You know all our desires. You know all our hidden secrets because there's nothing hidden from you. God, we ask that by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, to cleanse our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our actions, so that we can perfectly love you because you're the only one worthy of glorifying on this earth. God, your name is above all other names. We ask that you keep your word on our hearts. When we're in situations, give us the exact words to speak, because if you give us the word, you've already prepared the heart to hear it. And Lord, whatever part of our lives that need to be pruned, we ask that you prune them. Whatever doors that need to be closed, because something may not be right that glorifies you in that connection. We ask that you close that. God, all we want to do 
is to be a walking billboard that tells people who you are, what you have done for us, and who we are because of whose we are. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen.